It's been over a year now since In The Key of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. Being black is already like, in societal terms, you're already a born deficit. Like you already have that. So adding a gay label on top of that, you're just like asking yourself for just like a forever ass whooping from the world. (laughs) I'm Dan Hall. I'm a gay man and I love my music. However, I've spent my life translating heteronormative content into my own story. So I'm speaking with queer musicians from around the world who mirror and inspire my queer journey. Welcome to In The Key Of Q. Today I'm joined by Ty McKinney. His lyrics can tug at the heart in places and his sound and voice feel like the most beautiful sleepy all night hug. Ty, welcome to In The Key Of Q. Hi, that was such a beautiful intro. (laughs) (laughs) I'm over here blushing and smiling. It's like, oh. (laughs) Beer in my heart to get in my hand. I know where I want to go, but will it all go as planned? I'm so ready, so ready to begin. I'm just scared to see where this all Oh, yeah. Let's just talk about little Tyree who grew up <laughs> in Atlanta. That's what Ty is short for. It's short for Tyree. Um, that kid was a super smiley, super intelligent, outgoing kid who internally was freaking the fuck out (laughs) because he knew he was gay and didn't know how to really navigate that um, in his world. But he was definitely just such a light, such a joy. Um, All he ever wanted to do was make his mom happy. I definitely recall listening to a lot of Sierra because Sierra's from Atlanta as well. And so it's like I had like a, a lot of hometown heroes like growing up actually to listen to. So I had... Sierra's debut album Goodies on CD and her next album The Evolution I had that in my CD player <laughs> like that's just I just dated myself just saying CD player <laughs> but, but yeah I, had, I was the guy sweetie, I bought Madonna LPs so please See, let's, have, let's have none of that I know I know I know <laughs> but I, I, I just know people who are like CDs I'm like ugh, like um, I'm listening to a lot of Usher because Usher's Confessions was like a boom that just took over everywhere and being from Atlanta you would hear Usher nonstop in the best way like Usher was like yo Usher (laughs) Usher was like a huge thing my mother she listened to a lot of gospel music on top 40 as well it was like those were her two things a little bit of like the but it would be like mainstream like R&B and a little bit of like the general pop stuff my dad was very much like anti-radio he would only listen to the jazz station or the occasional hip-hop station but he was very much like nah i'll just play my cds which are he's a hip-hop head so he would just play 
um, hip hop stuff. So you mentioned gospel music. Was religion quite a big part of your upbringing? Oh, yes. <laughs> it was a huge part. And my mom said when I was a kid, they would call me the hallelujah baby because um, anytime like they would be like a, you know, sort of a moment of praise, I would say like, hallelujah, like just because because I'm, you know, being a kid mimicking what I'm seeing. So I, that's what my logic went to <laughs> when I and I I went to a school that was affiliated with the church that I grew up in. So um doing church musicals that's literally how i got started <laughs> i never felt so vulnerable never found this vulnerable it feels so raw so raw being black is already like i don't consider it a deficit but like in societal terms it's you're already a born deficit like you already have that so adding a gay label on top of that you're just like asking yourself for just like a forever ass whooping from the world <laughs> um and and even in my own home talking about like prop eight which is what the whole the first step to like of getting marriage equality in the states was um underway when though when that was happening my family had some shit to say about it <laughs> and i was just like oh no not to bring that up i know there's, there's like another like nail in the coffin i'm like oh there's another and it was, I just never felt safe. So that's why I always would just retreat in my room. Like anytime those conversations happened, I would just like slowly back away. Like Homer Simpson in the Simpsons yeah, when he goes back into the bushes. That was me. I was like, mm, bye. <laughs> I'm backing away. So hard to be free. To be free. But I'm still fighting. Still fighting. To be My dad, he he's a, a veteran in the military, uh, Navy, um, and he just had anger issues. Like he didn't take him out on us, but he just was a you know a black man in America, and to, to be a, a black man or black person in America and to be aware is to be in constant rage. That's a quote. I forgot who quoted it, but that's a quote. <laughs> and he would always quote that in my adolescence. Like he would say that a lot. Um, and I would just be so frightened to sort of even ask him for like basic things like can I go to the school dance it was just you know being the man of the house and taking care of not only his immediate family but taking care of my grandmother extended family like he was looked at as that so that was a lot of weight that he had to carry and he just you know didn't have the tools to really how to divvy it out and how to express that sort of weight on his shoulders I grew up in a very agnostic household so religion didn't play a part at all in my upbringing uh my perception of religion probably unfairly is of quite a homophobic environment quite a challenging environment in which to grow up was that your case or and my prejudice is completely unfounded no that's that's very accurate <laughs> it's very accurate it was very just strong and very just in your face like you could do anything wrong and, you know, you will be forgiven for it. But if you're gay, oh, my gosh, you are just going to the pits of hell. You will burn the lake of fire, eternal fire, if may I add. Um, Not just a just, little one, an eternal an one. An eternal fire. Like, you, you may get burned, but then you'll be all right. No, you're going to burn forever. My dad was a very much, uh, you cannot talk with your hands because you'll seem like effeminate or you'll seem unhinged. And 
and I talk with my hands. So that was a big thing for us. There would be just comments. Um, uh, so that led me to just um, shelter myself and encase myself and just put on the layers and layers of clothing and <laughs> to hide the true gay boy that was inside. <laughs> Dad said don't wear tying pants. Dad said don't talk with your hands. He was trying to build a man. With uh, Boys Like Me off the first EP, that was all about like, no, we need to talk about I am gay. We need to talk about how that hard that was. We need to talk about toxic, toxic masculinity. And it was also just like a call for like, hey, is it if any guys like th- like me, like come find me. Let's- and that is a great song. <laughs> it's a really it's a really, really good song because it does touch on those those issues. You know, the don't talk with your hands. Yeah. That, you know, those things which are just basically someone saying don't be, don't you. be me. Exactly. And it was coming from one of the people who made me (laughs) so it was just a very like when i was writing it i was realizing i was like this that's very damaging like this person my father is the one that's telling me not to be myself but that's what i loved about that song was i was i was getting the chance to take that autonomy back take that power back and be like no i know this is wrong that you tried to make me be a certain way and i'm going to undo what you've done but hopefully someone else can help me out. Like, we can do this together. <laughs> so I'm not alone, because I don't want to do it alone. Well, that's why music is so important. It is reaching out, isn't it? Both for audiences to feel heard, but also, I think, for artists as well. For you as the content creator to feel, yes, there is an audience, and yes, I am heard. Yeah, yeah. So that's, um, yeah, that song in particular was like, yeah, that's, that's I am gay, hear me roar. <laughs> I just hope I meet someone along the way. So are there other boys like me trying desperately to be free, free from everything they told us to be? I was trying to fit into the whole heteronormative world by like, okay, I'm a guy. I need a girlfriend. We're in seventh grade. My female friend was like, well, have you ever kissed a girl before? I was like, no, I've kissed a pillow. <laughs> but it was like, so like, uh, I don't know what to do. So she had asked her then boyfriend, just y'all should just practice kissing. And I'm like, we're both looking at each other like, why would we kiss? We, the whole point is for me to kiss a girl, not a guy. <laughs> so we go to the seventh grade bathroom we schedule it out. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's do it. I kiss him. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I get it now. I get it. I don't want a girlfriend. I want you. (laughs) And it was so, it was literally like how, you know, the, you know, in cartoons, how they do it like, oh, fireworks, bing, bing, bing. Yeah, yeah. Like all of that was happening. That was your hallelujah. That was my hallelujah. I was like, it was like, oh. (laughs) It's like, you like boys. You like guys. I'm like, crap. It was so odd to look back because I, I found some recent pictures of myself um, when I was home for the holidays. And uh, I look at these pictures and it's like I'm going through puberty. So I know that. But it's also like, oh, my, like, I remember I was tortured. I was a tortured kid because that's when I really started to grasp the whole like 
going to hell concept. Cause like, if I do this, then that is the ultimate consequence. But then as I got older, I started learning about the sort of in your face consequences that can happen. Not just the like, you know, eternal, like, you know, when you die, but like, oh no, you, this could happen. You can get beat up. You can get bullied. You can get ostracized by your family. You can, you know, lose your family. You can be homeless. You can be, you know, on the streets and all that stuff. And once I realized that, it was kind of like, okay, I got to really keep that close to the vest because mm-hmm. that would, like, shatter my world. Be free, freedom be everything that we already are. So why you out there? Are you out there? With those hands high so I can see the southern boys like We actually ended up continuing that kissing thing in the bathroom for a year. The southern boys like me. It was very hard having bo- that sort of inner spear of energy not being able to express it, just being boiled down and just buried and buried and buried. I can embrace my blackness because I was in a black household that, and I grew up in, in my world of black society. But embracing the queerness, the gayness, that was like, oh no, you can't do that now. <laughs> you got to keep that buried, buried. There's no more mommy and daddy holding our hands We're all alone Why were we in such a rush to get here? I came to New York because I um, applied to NYU, which is New York University's. And within like the first two weeks of January, like I got in. And I was so shocked because it was everybody knew from like my childhood, even in college, like NYU was my dream school. Like I would have rather went to NYU for my undergrad experience than the school that I went to. But I still love Georgia State. I love that school. So you went to NYU, an excellent university, an outstanding Mm -hmm. university. And you also mentioned earlier that you were an excellent academic achiever at school. What was it that was driving you to pretty much all your life always drive for quality academia or quality studies? Oh, because I liked the attention. I knew getting good grades meant that I was going to be seen in a positive light. And even at a young age, I knew that I'm like, okay, for our social standing, I have to look good. And then when the whole being gay sort of came into play, because I got like teased for it and bullied in like elementary school. So... I knew that, okay, you can call me gay, you can call me fag, you can call me whatever, but you knew I was smart. Mm-hmm. I didn't get like the brunt of bullying, thank God. I just got like called names and wasn't invited to things and I didn't- Hey, you know, that's shitty popular. enough. That is- It I is shitty you enough. Know, you don't have to say, hey, the scale yeah. of bullying wasn't- the scale. I didn't get the, my <laughs> shit kicked out of me. That's yeah. nasty, being socially excluded, and that's pretty scarring. Yeah, it's it's pretty scarring. I will thank you for that. Thank you for that, Dan. Um, but yeah, so but even though kids who bullied me or just didn't, you know, associate with me, they knew I was smart, so they would try to cheat off my stuff. And then I knew it was like, okay, if I let them cheat, then I would increase my social standing. Welcome to
I I truly hope that what the music that I make empowers the queer community, but specifically the Black queer community, just to have something that is they can relate to on a full scale. Because there are you know white queer artists that I I connected to because I was like, yes, we we are singing about this, and yes, we love it. I'm here for it. But it was just like, ooh, yes, we're here. But it still felt like I was like, you don't get the blackness that is associated with being a black queer Southern man dealing with this religious trauma. It's like, we we feel each other. We are here. We can have a conversation about it. But like, my blackness is just another layer that you will never understand or experience because you are not black. You may date black people <laughs> and, you know, you may have black friends, but you personally won't experience the black religious trauma <laughs> that I have experienced because you're not that. Um, so when Frank Ocean came out in 2012, I was just like over the moon. Like I couldn't be over the moon in public because I was still closeted myself, but internally, like in my room, <laughs> in my dorm room, um, I was just like, I wasn't even gleeful. It was sort of like relief and just the release of anguish and like, Tears were shed because I was listening to his album, Channel Orange, and um, songs like Bad Religion and Forrest Gump and Thinking About You. I was just like, oh, these songs, I can I fully relate and I can embody them and I can sing them out loud because I know he's talking about a guy. You know, it's, it's, it is pretty easy to find white queer artists. Very easy. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's e they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's easy to, for them to get press now. It's like even and on and that dare I say it on like sort of LGBT like platforms. Like they're majority white. It's like, well, where are the black people? <laughs> where are they? Like, and if they're there, like, why aren't they being pushed like as much as their white counterparts? Like, it's it's very disheartening because we have to be twice as good and that's a thing that's echoed and within the black community um regardless of sexuality or uh, whatever like you always have to be twice as good as white people in order to get as half as much as they have yeah and it's so annoying when you when you you know that growing up your entire life but then when you be starting to encounter that and that inequality when you continue to encounter the inequality it's super frustrating because you're just like okay now come on <laughs> like and you don't even it's not even an egotistical thing but you're just like i look cute my songs are mixed properly and they sound of standard quality that could be on radio right now like what is the problem <laughs> Is is and I can sing. I'm like I can sing. I can write. Like you, you start going those things. Like okay, am I really not talented, or is this just inequality? So what was 2020 like for you? We had uh, the the civil unrest around racism uh, with George Floyd's um, murdered massacre with Breonna Taylor, um, Ahmaud Arbery, and the countless trans women. Uh, black queer trans women that were getting murdered like left and right it was and trans men trans people like there was so much going on like within that first half of the year and me being in new york at the epicenter of it i was quickly reminded that i'm like oh you're still a black man in america yeah you're still a black gay man in america 
and you're literally like you may think you're flying like you thought you was flying but you're not i'm not arguing or debating my existence with anybody anymore because like i live it every day i'm sitting at home scrolling through my phone waiting for your text i bet you had a long day at work and i just want to be your medicine you know, Ty, it always amazes me how people who are not invited into my bedroom think it's their business what I do there. Yeah. It's that, like, I didn't ask you. I didn't and ask you. And your bad you. shoes. <laughs> bad shoes. It's like, I didn't, I didn't ask you. And I'm like, why do you, why do you really want to know? Like, why does this bother you so much? It's why? like literally people having an opinion on what you're going to make for dinner tonight. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like, well, oh, I didn't, okay. you're not having any of it anyway. It's like, come on, like, why are, why are we still obsessing over this? Because, like, the Christian people, the religious people um, that I have encountered in my life that who are, you know, not homophobic, they're just like, yo, like, do what you do. Like, God made you to be you. So why? I don't think it's a, pro- it's a problem at all. Like, completely. My my lovely friend, Jill, who I was at, at college with, she she very much is of faith and her faith means a lot to her. But her faith is always been to her a thing that is about love so it Mm -hmm. seems unfathomable to her that she should treat anybody with anything but that you know in 1992 she was supporting me against hiv prejudice and all sorts Mm -hmm. and and to her religion is something that is first and foremost about love and i think she has had experiences where people have told her no it's not that and she's gone okay, I'm going to leave this church and go to one three blocks down where they're probably yeah. not as much of an asshole as you are. Yeah, no, that, um, I went through that string of things too. Like in college when I was coming out to myself and I was affiliated with the church, I was super homophobic and just didn't know that I could leave. I didn't know I had the ability, the autonomy to make my own decisions <laughs> because, you know, you are, you're literally ingrained to kind of like do this or if you don't do this, you will you know, die a thousand deaths and, you know, all you'll just go down a dark black road filled with hell and damnation. My main thing to be an artist was like, I wanted to be famous because I knew being adored by the public meant that they couldn't like, like anybody could shame me for being gay or whatever. Like you, you still love me. So whatever, like fame, you can't touch me. That's where I was, you know, striving for and then I got, I was getting older and I was like, okay, that's not really what I want, but what do I really want? Like, why am I doing this? Like, I could literally be an accountant if I, <laughs> if I wanted to, like, why am I an artist? Like being an artist is not easy. Like there's some beautiful like moments of being an artist, but I'm like, the artist life is not like a cakewalk. Like that's why everybody can't do it. It's not, <laughs> it's not, a, it's not a, you know, easy process. Uh, but did you find your wife? I did. I did. And that's and that's where I was still I still love Chilled and I still love that song, regardless of, you know, it's not like a popular song or whatever. But I loved it because the video I got to make with it. And that was the why. The why for me is making sure people like me who share my identities see themselves. 
and that they know there's something that they can see themselves because if they can see it then they can believe it they can believe they can have a relationship with the, with the guy and, um and it's perfectly fine they can be domestic <laughs> they can be so boring and so domestic and nobody touches me like you touch me and there's no other place i'd rather be oh cause i just wanna chill all i wanna do is yeah chill all i wanna do is chill. so what would the kid tyree make of your music now tyree who was i say tyree would Tyree would be kind of pissed off about the music he's, I'm making because Tyree was a pop pop guy. Like he loved Top Forty. Like he loved Christina Aguilera. He loved Britney. He loved. Um, I mean, he well, he still loves Beyonce. <laughs> um, but uh, so, would he listen to any of your songs, or would he be just like wrong station? <laughs> he would. Hmm, that's a good question would he actually turn shit off <laughs> he might actually he might have turned the shit off but he but he would turn the shit off uh i think he he would like my more upcoming music which is why this this music is dedicated the next batch of music is dedicated to him because he this is the type of music he would love but my first two eps he would like some stuff he would love boys like me he would probably just cry to boys like me because he was like someone wrote about me um and he would love he would love the videos more so than anything so yeah, but he loved pop culture. He loved everything pop culture. Uh, so my music now, or the music that I've released in the past, it's been pop with like hints of like soul, hints of like some other stuff in in there too. But he probably would be like, "What is this old guy or <laughs> this like <laughs> this thirty year old guy that like my my parents talking about to. love? Talking about oh, love. What do old people know about? Like love? what do old people know about love? He'd be like, he would listen to Mutual and be like what like this is such a jazzy stuff like uh this is something dad would listen to like he would definitely um uh, <laughs> probably turn the station which is so weird to say because i'm like i'm i think i'm creating like i'm like trying to like you know relive like not relive but like connect reconnect to my inner child by making art and making music like this is stuff this is for yeah. you kid this is for you and, like i literally have a picture on my wall of like me as a child like smiling i'm like you're my reason why and other little boys like you that make music for you uh oh ty that's lovely yeah that's really lovely <laughs> but no he would turn the station <laughs> could you suggest a good gateway song into your catalog mm-hmm. a good song that uh will be a, a seductive <laughs> way of reeling people in <laughs> sure sure so i would have to say the song of choice to get you into the time mckinney world would be mutual um mutual is my favorite song that i've put out um to this day um it was it's literally the song i feel like that's changed me sonically it was the first song that i ever put he pronouns into it so i was really asserting my gayness and queerness into my music and it's my most beloved song actually when when looking and streaming stuff and with my you know not the fans, but the people who like what I do. <laughs> they love that song and they love the video. And Call them fans. Own it. Okay, my fans. My fans really like Mutual. That's, that song keeps kicking in. I love playing it. It's it, it feels good. It's just, it's such a good song. And, you know, I think you'll like it. So, yeah, Mutual is that song. If you don't feel the same way, tell me 
face Oh, cause I just wanna know I just gotta know Is this mutual? Is this mutual? Oh, Ty, thank you so much for coming on In The Key Of Q. Yes. It's been wonderful to have you. Thank you for having me, Dan. This is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to In The Key Of Q. The opening theme is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com. Check out the show notes for links, including a Spotify playlist to complement this episode. The podcast's home is at inthekeyofq.com. And over on our Patreon page, you can find exclusive content. Many thanks to Kajun Kantha and Murray Lang. Please rate and subscribe the podcast and follow us on social media. This episode is produced by me, Dan Hall, for Pup Media Consultancy. See you next Tuesday. Next time on In the Key of Q. We're, we're going to go down the Buxos rabbit hole. We? Well, and, and we all do it. I mean, we just got to, you know, call this what it is, you know, and just own this um, Buxos. <laughs> the Buxos shame. <laughs> That's Aaron Duval. Next time on In the Key of Cue. <laughs> <laughs>